0: Hi, welcome to Online Marketing with John Legadarkis where we talk about how to set up and run a successful online business all the way from registering your first domain to setting up your website, SEO, sales funnels and sales copy, social media, lead generation, free and paid traffic methods and much more. I hope you get a lot out of today's episode.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you so very much for joining us. Our special guest today is Phil Singleton. Thanks for joining us, Phil. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having you here with us, Phil, today. We're going to be talking about SEO with Phil, and I'll tell you a bit about Phil Singleton. So, Phil is a web designer, an SEO expert, and an award-winning author. Uh, Since 2005, Phil has owned and operated a digital agency based in Kansas City. And in 2016, Phil and John Jantz of Duct Tape Marketing co-wrote SEO for Growth, The Ultimate Guide for Marketers, Web Designers and Entrepreneurs. SEO for Growth is an Amazon bestseller and has been listed as a top marketing book by Mashable, Oracle, The Huffington Post and has been endorsed by a lot of people including, actually I was impressed, the the author of the Yoast plugin himself. So top SEO people are endorsing uh, this book. And it's been featured on MSNBC, Entrepreneur, Search Engine Journal, and many other industry websites. So I can't think of a more qualified guest to talk about <laughs> SEO than Phil. So I really appreciate, appreciate that introduction. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's really glad to have you here. But before we talk about SEO, I always like to ask my guests at the beginning uh, who they are. So who is Phil Singleton? Tell us a bit about yourself, Phil, your background, so gr- like growing up. Um, what family life was like, influences influences young, sort of things when you did with
2: your younger, what led you to where you are today? I love it. Um, yeah, I was born, my father was in the military, so kind of bounced around. I was uh, born in Yuma, Arizona, and then my sister was born in California. Um, I have extended roots in Kansas city, which is where I am now, but I took a long and winding path to get back here. Um, and it's funny my parents got divorced when I was um ten or eleven years old uh, sorry no when I was actually younger than that they got back together remarried each other again when I was ten or eleven ago so they went they divorced each other and then married each other again then I got a baby brother out of it um, but um we ended up actually living in Florida of all places for uh, you know most of my grade school and high school and stuff and then then I went out to school and um in the Northeast, and I got my first job at an insurance company. I was happy to have a job, um, but I was there for about three years. Um, and really, talk about influences or paths or way that you go. Uh, for me, it was like I got out of school. I wanted to get a job. I got. I was able to work like seven days. I think after I graduated, so I was really stoked, you know, to be able to have like a quote unquote professional job. But it was with an insurance company. You know, I graduated with a degree in finance and. And it wasn't too long I was working in there in the you know beige cubicle that right. uh, the days were starting to get really long, and this is my early twenties, and I think by the by the third year, I was like, "I can't do this. I've seen guys that was kind of, were in that you know company for twenty, thirty years, they're walking around like corporate zombies, <laughs> and I was just like, "But meanwhile, you feel like some of these things happen, and if you just let them happen to you, all of a sudden, you're pulled down somebody else's destiny is kind of what I felt like. Um, and the day, like I said, the days were getting long and and I just, yeah, you know, I just didn't want to do it. So I figured I had to do something drastic. And what I did was I basically packed up my bags and moved to Asia. I moved to Taiwan, wow. um, just to totally change everything, change my life, change the trajectory of my career path and everything. Picked up, moved out there, studied Mandarin for a couple of years, met my wife, who's from Taiwan. Um, we're together now and have two kids. Um, but that really pretty much changed everything because uh, I came out of school again in finance. I, I had a lot of uh, anxiety issues, I think when I came out of school. So it was hard for me to even talk to folks. I think I did well kind of as in an introverted role in insurance company, um, but I wasn't happy or anything like that. But so, moving so I'm, out, to- I'm curious. Sorry, why, why choose Asia? And, and
1: how did you, and what did you plan to do when you got there? Did you have any plans, any work or
2: any way to, to survive while you're there? No, I knew nobody. Um, I was interested in it because I had a college friend of mine, a twin brother that was in Japan. So he was doing the study abroad thing. And I thought that was interesting. My father worked for a large movie theater company here in the States and they were expanding into Asia quite a bit. And for whatever reason, just the stories and hearing about stuff, I just really interested me to, to um, uh, to maybe be able to go out there and have an adventure and do something different. Um, of course, my parents are from the Midwest and my mom was uh, you know, more conservative. So you talk about all of a sudden packing up your, I and mean, people literally thought, I think I lost my mind. Yeah. Um, but I went out there and a guy that maybe had lower confidence or a lot of anxiety issues. When I went there, I, something happened to me in that process of being able to go into a new culture, adapt, and essentially end up thriving over the course of years really raised my constant confidence up. And I think that changed a lot in my entire life. So, um, for me that's made a big difference. I mean, being confident in yourself and your abilities and, and going into another country, we don't speak the language and be able to learn it, get a job in it, you know, grow and thrive in it does wonders for your confidence. So um, I'm look back and have absolutely no regrets. But that's kind of what ended up happening is I went guy it's in college, I actually got a D in computer science. You got a guy that had a D in computer science, did well in finance, get a get a job, you know, didn't like the career and ended up going to Asia. And then what I did there is um, I studied I studied um, I studied Chinese and learned it. But then I went back to get my MBA in the states, and I got as soon as I graduated, I got a job that took me back to Taiwan. I was there another eight years, mm-hmm. but that time I was working during the dot com era, so I was helping like North American companies get venture capital and business development relationships, uh, partnerships in Asia. Um, so it was great during the dot com thing, but that like. It you know, turned off overnight, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what got me into where I am today, I think is I was doing some business development for a company in the United, in the States out of the Midwest actually called three, two, one studios. And they, they did this product called DVD X copy, which was a way to copy your backup movies. Um, back house is almost kind of like the digital, uh, video version of Napster. But in this case they had this software where you're able to backup DVD movies that you bought. So for a while in the States, it was legal to sell this because it was people argued under the fair use law, you could actually, if you bought something, you could back it up. Of course, Hollywood has their own digital millennium copyright law where it comes in and says, no, you can't copy your DVD movies. Well, this company I was working for challenged um, the, the, the studios for a while, for a course of three, three years, but they were able to sell it for a long time. While they were selling it, they were killing it um, until they eventually shut them down. But a lot of the sales that we were doing, and what ended up happening for me is, I was in Asia, I helped them open up the Asian market, Asian retail. Um, and then I ended up what ended up happening. As soon as Hollywood shut them down in the States, I happened to be in Taiwan with a crew and I was available. And it was still legal to sell it online and in other countries around the world. A company just fell in my lap. So here I am not knowing much about technology or anything. I was kind of more in the finance introductory stuff, helping people get you know funding and stuff like that. Software company literally falls in my lap. Um, but a lot of our sales at that time were coming from affiliate marketers. This is 15, 17 years ago. And the big ones were getting 50% of the software sales. So we're here I am like stunned because I'm like we're writing checks for 50, 60, $75,000 a month to guys that were running forums. <laughs> And the precursors, the blogs and all this stuff, but they had excellent, you know, they're obviously clicking through the links, coming to our site and buying the software. So it just stunned me uh, that here we're getting 50% of the sale, 25 employees, investors, you know, product support, all of a sudden our share of that 50% gets whittled down to just about nothing. But that's when the light bulb went up. I was like, okay, I see this. People are searching for stuff online. They're going to these forums. The guys have control of the customer. They're getting the affiliate sale on it. that's really what got me into like the SEO um, set of my, frame of mind because that was driving a lot a lot of sales. Um, of course, Hollywood came around, the rest of the world put, lobbied their law, and basically got a version of the one that passed in the states everywhere else. So we sold what was left of the company and moved back to the states in two thousand five, and that's what kind of got me here, um, kind of where I am. So I took this like wild, wild winding path um, through Asia, which I have no regrets for. I learned a lot, learned another language, met my wife, got to see a lot of Asia and that kind of stuff. I wouldn't change anything. Where I, if I would have I think stayed where I was, where I think a lot of people do, I'd probably sitting in a cubicle <laughs> in an insurance company making a halfway decent living, but kind of just being you know, one of the zombies walking around and not taking full advantage of their life type of thing. So that's how it was, what I like to think anyway.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, that's a great story. And, and we had a bit of a chat before we got started, and it's interesting how you and I, we sort of got started in this industry the same way in that, you got started with affiliate marketing I got started with affiliate marketing we were in our 30s um, and we didn't plan it it sort of just just happened that way uh, so yeah really 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 interesting and I appreciate you sharing that background Phil so <clears throat> so you started your digital agency around 2005 humble beginnings uh, you know creating websites for businesses local businesses maybe um, but and over the years, you've obviously you have learned a lot of you've you've got more clients learned a lot more things and recently able to publish SEO for growth and it comes so highly endorsed that's what really impressed me actually I was as I was looking I went to the website which is SEO for growth.com uh, you can get it there you can get it on Amazon um, the endorsements, yeah, the people that are saying, and what it basically it's it's a it's an all-in-one for businesses for SEO, for everything you need from the the start to the end, giving you the big picture, um, and it sounds like it's totally white hat meaning because a lot of people there's a lot of people out there teaching SEO strategies that sort of sort of trying to cheat the system in a way, but the stuff that you're you're teaching is solid principles that. Will, will give your business more value. Obviously, get get you in, on Google's rankings, but also bring your business a lot of value in the long term. Um, what can you tell us, so uh, Phil? What can you tell us when it comes to SEO? Where does someone start? So let's say okay. Let's say let me give you a scenario. We've got a person that has not yet started their online business. So they, they want to start an online business. They haven't registered a domain name yet. So they're totally fresh start totally fresh start What's some tips you would give to that a person in that situation when it comes to SEO
2: so you know for us everything really kind of starts at the website and before we start to build a website we this is kind of what drew me to John Jantz and duct tape marketing um, was the way that I've built websites that have been successful over the years is to not just kind of build them as a digital brochure but to first kind of get my head around the business and do keyword research, even to this day, um, around what the ideal clients are searching for and then use that information to reverse engineer the pages and the content on the website still works very well to this day. Most people don't do it that way. You know, they build the website first based on almost like it's a digital brochure and then try and do SEO on it after the fact. Um, but, John's interesting because he takes it even a step back and in, in parts to get into personas and, and really more studied on the ideal client. I think for for me, when I got started, I was really just only focused on, on just the keyword research, but I still think to this day, I mean, you got to think of a website as being a marketing platform and to think of it strategically and to do a lot of, I think, pre-study and research ahead of time before you start, you know, laying out a website and think, thinking about just the functions and the features and, and, you know, the the aesthetic aspects of it. But I still think, you know, the way web services are at least still pitched here in the United States, it's, you know, we get commercials and bombarded by Wix, Weebly, and Squarespace about how you can pop up a website, you know, in a few minutes, and then they'll quote unquote list you on Google. So then people think, oh, you know, I can pay $50 a month and I don't have to really worry about it. Where, you know, to really succeed, as I think, you know, most people in the, in the space know is, you know, website now really has to be a marketing platform. I mean, it's got to be a place where you um, put all your best content on and really build up a body of work. But um, really the key point is to be the referral source of all your content. So we can see a lot of people that go out there and at least clients or small business or entrepreneurs, I mean, a lot of times they'll go build up a website like it's a digital brochure. And then if they do active, they're active on anywhere, where they maybe go out actively almost kind of in a separate vacuum and start to promote their business on Facebook or on social media platforms. But you know, what you want to be doing obviously is, is again, using your, your website as the referral platform, putting all your best content there, sharing that out so that people have to come back to the site, right? So that you can mm-hmm. pixel them. And so you can all, you know, use the face, uh, AdWords remarketing tag on them. You can offer your call to actions, your newsletter and stuff. All the guys like you're in, that are in the business are already kind of doing this anyway but I think when people think in terms of, you know, starting a new business, um, they're still thinking about kind of the product and I think as a website is just the tool to deliver the product and not really thinking of it as a way to, um, become an authority in their, in their um, niche, um, beyond just the product or the service that they're selling. Mm, that's great advice there. And when it comes to SEO, uh, sorry,
1: keyword research, Phil, uh, I know Google's got a, if you go, if you get a free Google AdWords account, you, you can use their keyword planner. Um, Still is one it, of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, it's it, you know you're going to the source, aren't you? So, um, uh, is there any other keyword tools that you can recommend, or is that the best one for people to get started?
2: Uh, there are a lot of them out there. I, I, with AdWords Keyword Planner and with SEM Rush and Ahrefs, um, those are the three tools that I pretty much use every day because um, there's keyword data you can glean all over the place from those three places. Now, of course, two of them are paid, you know, premium tools. Um, and one of them's free if and you get more data out of it. Um, obviously I think if you've got an active account versus one that's just doesn't inactive. Um, and also uh, you know, AdWords and a real AdWords account that you actually fund is probably one of the best sources. So we get a lot of clients that will come in and they've already been paying, you know, on AdWords. Now they're, their ROI might be really low um, but there's a lot of great data in there because they've already been paying for stuff so you can glean a lot of great information on like keyword research on an AdWords program that's been running a long time if you've got that but if somebody's starting out fresh um, and on a limited budget uh, AdWords would be a great place to go first and then you know for SEO guys I think I'll have their all favorite tools as, as you might too but again Ahrefs and SEM rusher are, are two of my very favorites for, for all sorts of things for pre-sales selling, um, for strategy and for uh, for uh, monitoring accounts and that kind of stuff, reporting.
1: Mm-hmm. And even uh, installing Google Analytics code on your website, the great thing about doing that is Google will tell you which keywords people are searching that are bringing them to your site and which pages they're going to so that too can be very valuable to know um, well, it's
2: tricky. Um, you know, yeah. analytics, analytics used to show very detailed keyword information. And then when everything went to HTTPS, they started to show a lot more not provided. So the vast majority of actual keyword data you get from analytics is hidden. Um, but there's still some in there and there's still lots of great data you can get from analytics. Now, one of the other places that get great data, though, is from Google Search Console. So, you go into the GS, you can actually see the words that you're getting impressions on and see the actual phrases that you're getting clicks on. Um, because there's really not too many places you can get the actual click data from. You can get it from Google Search, no, sorry, Google Search Console. And the reason, again, I like for a paid AdWords program is you can literally go in through a dimensions tab and see the words that people are actually clicking on. They bury it down in there. It's not really easy. I think it should be the first thing that you see. They'll just give you like the generic terms of the things people are searching. But uh, there's a little tab you can dig down actually and see what actual words people are clicking on. Once you can see some historical um, information on it versus the click through rates, and what people are paying. And maybe the conversions, then you can actually start to use that to focus in on, on things on your website um, organically. And just for the benefit of our listeners too,
1: Google Search Console, it's a free service that Google gives to you. It's basically a way for you to index your website. So Google, this is my website. Um, so if you Google that, Google Search Console, you sign up, you get into there for free, you add your website, and then you've got access to all that stuff that Phil was talking about Um, domain names, Phil, is there, does it matter what type of domain name you register? IE the, the
2: keywords in the domain and the domain extension, IE.com. I'm still a little bit old school on this. So I like older, flatter, you know, domains. I used to have a really long, my first website was Kansas city website design, super long with hyphens in it. But (laughs) You know, Google did an EMD exact match domain update at one point and basically neutralized all that kind of stuff and started to reward flatter domain names. And it's still, I think, most people are going to tell you that um, the top level, you know, the the main domains at .dot um, you know, com, maybe .dot net .dot .dot org, are going to be preferred. But there's a whole school out there that also tell you some of the new custom domain extensions are work just as well, and I've seen them work pretty well too. Um, but for me what I tend to try and do is I like to go and see what's available in terms of com. Um, get a flatter one, having a root keyword in there, I think is helpful. It's not the silver, silver ish bullet. It once was, which is kind of nice in a way, but it still, it does help. It helps a little bit. And that's really what SEO is, is trying to get as many drops as you can into the bucket to kind of lift yourself up. Um, mm. and that's what we're doing all day long. is trying to squeeze more drops out. Yeah. Um, but another thing that I've done, and I've re- really successful, and you know Google, and of course, you would follow the guys and Search Engine Roundtable is one of the places I like to go that follows um, SEO chatter around guys like us that are actually doing the stuff day to day. And people, because Google's not going to come out and say we did this and we did that, and every time you ask them a question this way, they answer it that way, type of thing. Um, but I have seen that you know a lot of times I've had a couple new websites where I'll go out and look for an expired domain. That doesn't have a lot of backlink baggage on it. so we can go and look and see if somebody's done a bunch of crappy backlinks to it, doesn't have that kind of backlink liability. And there are lots of you know, expired domains out there that that um, that are older and flatter and shorter and have a nice keyword on them. and I've it seems as though those tend to rank a little bit faster. I don't know if it's because of the age. They're still kind of, Google's kind of got them somewhere secretly in an index where they can they know that they're an older domain type of thing. But that's really the first place that I look or tell people to look is let's see if there's a nice you know, expired domain out there that meets your needs and nice and short. So there's a lot of little things that people are abandoning because the net's been around a long time right now. Some businesses have just kind of fallen and there's a lot of good domains that are just kind of sitting in that expired pile out there that you can pull out. And that would be the first place I would go, and I would always kind of tend to go uh, and do you know a .com before anything else. But you know, that may, maybe being a little bit old school, too much gray hair.
1: <laughs> uh, I, find, I find exactly the same thing as what you mentioned, and and with the expired domain names, what I've noticed too is um, you can get them for the same price that you get a brand new domain name. So you're not paying any extra. Uh, and like you said, there's a lots heaps of actually coming available on the market where people have, you know, registered domain, they've had a, haven't done anything really with it, and then they just let it expire. There's lots of them, lots of them out there. So it's really good advice. Uh, what once we've got the domain name, we're setting up our website. Most people use WordPress today for their sites because there's so much you can do with WordPress, including. Uh, it's great for SEO. Uh, you know, you can do a lot in far of op, as far as optimizing it for Google. Google likes it. Um, is that typically your
2: recommendation, Phil? Yeah, we're so heavily invested in. I've got a, a structured data um, schema plugin that I developed. that has been downloaded like fifty thousand times um, that we use to add additional page schema, mostly for local businesses. So yeah, so in our in my case, it's like we're so invested in it and we put all of our new clients on it. Is that the only one out there? No, but I mean, it's not, it's almost becoming, you know, the standard CMS for the internet. And the cool thing about it, there's so many WordPress developers out there that it's one of those ones where if you use another one of the CMSs out there, sometimes they're a little bit harder to find development support um, for certainly in the e-commerce and maybe in the, in the space that you're in, there's other great systems that came up to be e-commerce. I think, you know, WordPress obviously started as a blogging platform. You know, but now with WooCommerce and some of the other um, stuff, it's really become a very strong e-commerce platform by itself. But, you know, there's other, obviously other ones like Magento that were just born to be e-commerce platforms that might be stronger because that's their, that's kind of the main reason for existence. Um, and they're great. We have a couple of clients on that too, but yeah, WordPress is great. Great support. Great. Lots of features, lots of plugins, um, lots of developers out there and um easy for guys like us to really get in there and then tweak it to to no extent and even develop our own, you know, plugins, if we can't find, you know, ones that we like. So, and what's the one you you mentioned you have one, what's that one called? It's called WP SEO schema. Okay. So I basically made one out of a few keywords so it can be searched, but yeah. uh, Okay. great. It basically just enables you to add like blog schema, article schema, review schema, almost kind of like in a Yoast way where you can, fill in the fields at the bottom of a blog post type of thing. Okay. You can pretty really kinda of add them on there, so. Great,
1: great. Um, what's um, important, so what, now that we you know we've got a domain, we're sort of gonna be using WordPress, we're building up our site, our home page, and our contact page, and our legal pages, and that's something I guess we should mention, it's really important. You wanna have your legal pages on your site, because I know Google it, it likes to see that you've got a contact page, uh, you've got a privacy policy, you've got a terms of service page, Uh, and you've got links to it, like for example, on your footer. Um,
0: Can you give me a point?
2: Something I don't even have right now, but you know what? I Recently, I just am redesigning my own sites because Google came out earlier this year and made some pretty drastic changes to their quality rater evaluator guidelines. Um, And a lot of it had to do with, I think really was a response to all the election stuff that was happening. So... You got fake news coming out and all sorts of people making claims about the internet. But the internet was already not a very trustworthy place. But after this last series of elections and stuff, it became less trustworthy. So Google came and rewrote their quality guidelines for their evaluators. And what that is, for those of you that don't know, I mean, Google has an army of about 10,000 plus people that they pay that manually check the quality of the results and they've got a 160 or so page document that they give these quality raters to go in and say this is how essentially this is how we want you to measure the quality of our results so you went in there and they go in and they talk very specifically about on-page things that these guys should look for to rate the results and a lot of is what you just mentioned privacy policy um, the satisfying amount of main content an about us page, a contact us page, they say you should be able to clearly see who authored the content on the site, where the site's located. So there's a bunch of these things where they want people to start focusing on trust. Because, you know, this is one of the things that I think they they want to make sure people have when they search the results. So um, yeah, those are those are things that you definitely want to have. on. I think it for me, it even took on um, a more important thing, because I really didn't even really pay it as much attention as, as I did as when I saw how, I mean, when they go in there and actually start to mention like fake news and things like that, and they really started to even, if you look through this document, they specifically, they've got acronyms like called EAT, uh, Education Authority and Trust. So they're just like hammering these points down. Um, and really, if you look at the quality radar guidelines, to me, the whole purpose of it is to you know, be almost the human version of the algorithm. They're just trying to put it in layman's terms. So if you look at it that way, it's like, God, they're really telling us what they want us to put on these pages here. So after I read that, I immediately went to work on redesigning my sites, which aren't even done yet because I've been kind of working on other stuff, but they're just about ready to be launched. And the reason I did it, what really put me into action was reading, -reading, rereading the quality rater guideline updates with fresh eyes.
1: Okay. Great.
2: Great. And, uh, what, what I'll do
1: is I'll actually put a link to that in the show notes, what, what you just mentioned there. Cause I think that's really
2: important for people to read that PDF. Through. Yeah. They, it's freely available up on, up on Google for people to read through. So, yeah. and it's really, it's in layman's terms. These people, they get like 10 to 20 bucks an hour. So it's not like, it's geared for, you know, non-technical people, um, mm. which is yeah. great. Yeah, excellent. Um, and so with,
1: and, Besides those important pages that you mentioned, uh, you mentioned before keyword research and we, w- we want to optimize our home page and maybe other pages for certain keyword phrases. I like to use the Yoast SEO plugin to help me. so when I'm creating a new post or a new page, making sure I'm optimizing for a keyword, you know you just put your keyword in the field there and it tells you WordPress will tell you that or that plugin will tell you, you know, exactly whether you've got whether you're, you're targeting that keyword correctly or your content, the way you're publishing your content is gonna help you rank for that keyword, I should say. Is there anything else you'd like yeah. to add, add about on-page SEO?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, especially when it's getting to like blog posts or posts with a little bit more content on them, I'm breaking them apart using H2 tags and spreading things out on the page, using you know bullet and numbered lists, I think are really helpful. These are things I think end up being quality signals in some way, shape, or form for Google. Uh, Google comes out and says, "Hey, you know, they, they speak in these you know funny ways. They they say, you know, embedding video on your web page isn't a direct ranking factor. Well, it's not, but just about every SEO person will tell you that dwell time on a web page has to, is is positively correlating to higher rankings for just about everybody. So, embedding a video by itself is not a ranking factor. Having somebody watch a video on the page for ten minutes." keeps them on the page is a strong signal to Google to say, hey, these guys are on this page. It's answering their questions. So same thing with an audio file, a longer form content, anything that's on there in terms of rich media that's attractive enough to keep somebody on the site and maybe encourage them to jump to another page on your site. Um, these are things I think that are very important, which I think is why you see a lot of these like influencers. They're spending a lot more time, you know, guys like Neil Patel and some of the others. I mean, these really long, great web sorts, uh, web posts um, and you don't see them posting them every day. They're posting them a, 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 every couple weeks or so. But when they do, I mean, they're fantastic, authoritative pieces. And you see a lot of people kind of doing it this way. I think that's kind of the trend. The other trend that we're seeing is that it seems that the homepage for a lot of people is getting a little bit less weight. I think it used to have the more weight. It seems to be Google's ranking a lot more of the inner pages more. So spending a little bit more time on tools like Yoast. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we, we um, came up with our plugin is we wanted to make sure that as we put invest more on each page um, to improve its ranking potential, that we add schema, which is essentially almost kind of like Yoast, but Yoast lets you put, you know, tag like the browser title and the meta description. It's basically allowing you to to, to send some additional uh, information to Google in addition to helping you sync up your page with the the words that you want to target for keywords. But the schema plugin that we have actually enables you to go in and like tag certain pieces of it. So like if you have a review on a page, if you just put a review from somebody on your page, Google doesn't know that's a review unless you put a little tag of code and say, Hey, here's this little piece of schema code that says this is a a review. Well, that's on there in the right way. And now you're starting to see some of this additional data get pulled up into search results because it's tagged properly. So it just goes to the trend of people kind of getting into like page content and trying to invest a little bit more in the quality of it making sure that it's really good versus the old way SEO was all about volume. It was like, get more backlinks to the website, have more doorway pages. Now it's like the opposite. It's like, we still want backlinks, but they have to be really high, you know, high quality and and, and relevant. Um, And they really count, but they got to come from the right places. It's the same thing with content on your website. More isn't necessarily better unless it's more really good stuff. So um, and focused on the right things. And that's really, I think the trend of, all of where it's going right now, which is why you kind of see people putting a little bit more effort on each page of their website instead of just trying to crunch out a bunch of them. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great advice. And I'm really glad you mentioned that because we have been focusing a lot on the website and the on-page SEO. And I was going to ask you about backlinks, which I think you've covered there and which is important that you, that you mentioned, uh, cause you mentioned all you also referred before about the expired domains, how you don't want to get expired domains that have a lot of uh, spammy backlinks. So, but it's not, quantity it's definitely quality so uh, Phil look I really appreciate everything that you shared with us today it has been so valuable for uh, everyone here that's got a a website got an online business definitely learn a lot from from the stuff that you shared Uh, again there's a good good way to do SEO there's a wrong way and and everything you shared today is great great way not just to get results now but to keep getting great SEO results in the future um, is there any final thoughts you have for our listeners, Phil?
2: I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's there's no reason to try and take shortcuts with Google anymore because there's a saying I think by Benjamin Franklin in you know, the states it's you know all a certain you know and or uncertain life but death and taxes and to me it's death taxes and Google. So any loopholes that you find they're just getting better at closing them up. There's no reason not to do them the right way. And the good thing is doing things the right way, investing in content, having a web centric strategy works. I mean, in the old days, they used to say content is king and a lot of SEO people were like, well, okay, we're going to still do backlinks. But now they say content is king. They actually mean it. You know, we're seeing results on it. So it's almost like Google aligned up the interests with things that are the, the right way, so to speak. So doing them the right way. And I still think there are, there's plenty of shortcuts you can take, but it's just not worth it. Why not do something that's sustainable, you know, and you're going to get results for a long time and build an asset versus trying to get some short-term uh, shortcuts that it might come back to bite you later. So that's mm-hmm. really kind of, I think, the moral of the story.
0: Yeah,
1: great, great. Thanks so again. Thanks so much. We've been listening to Phil Singleton. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, Phil you being with us here today and all the insight you've shared. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Phil or work with Phil, he's got um seoforgrowth.com, is is the book that we've been talking about. Also, his other website's kcwebdesigner.com. Uh, for those that are looking to for someone to create a web, if you want someone to create your website or help you with the SEO on your website and, and all that kind of stuff um, so again thanks phil and i want to thank everyone for being here today and listening to this podcast episode thanks a lot John.
0: hey john lagadakis here if you got something out of today's episode make sure to subscribe to the podcast as each week i'm releasing valuable and up-to-date content and interviews Also, there is a transcript of today's episode, as well as links to all the resources we mentioned on my website, johnlegadakis.com. On my website, you'll also find a lot of great free resources to help you get more traffic and leads for your business, as this is my specialty, i.e. helping local businesses generate leads through Facebook and AdWords campaigns. My website, again, is johnlegadakis.com. Thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate it. This is John Lagadarka signing off. I'll see you next time.